And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us through the break here. Again, you're listening to This Week I Learned, presented by Ross Mortgage, hosted by me, Greg Arnold. Let's rejoin our conversation about buyers and sellers markets in real estate. Between 2000 and 2003, refinance numbers are going to boom. And why is this? It's just because market uh, rates are so low. So in 2003, 5.6 is the average. That's just historically low. It's the lowest it's ever been. And because these rates are so low, the historical rate of black home ownership is almost 50% by mid-2004, and that is the highest it's ever been. Now, the issue is the rates are so low and the lenders are doing so much business that you're going to get a housing bubble in 2005, let's say, is when it really starts coming into play. So lenders are issuing mortgages to people who probably don't qualify, to be straight. And that's going to cause some issues. House prices in 2006, 385 is inflated adjusting for the average American home price. So again, for those of you keeping score at home, we're making another 100000 jump in obviously a long time, but not actually that long. In 2007, the housing crisis is is really starting to accelerate. You lose 120 mortgage lenders that go bankrupt or just close their doors due to financial distress in 2007. And that's not good. That is not good, but how does that relate to buyers and sellers markets? We're about to get into an all-time buyers market here. And you'll notice some trends about when the buyer's markets are really, really good and when the buyer's markets are really, really bad. And I'll, I'll give you a hint. It has a lot to do with the lenders. So 2007, for the oral history, people who are still with us in 2007, we are, everyone in the know is aware that we've got a housing bubble and we've got some, we've got some big issues. Foreclosures filings in 2008 are going to jump 81%. One in every 54 United States households gets a foreclosure notice. That would mean about every minute or so that you are driving on an average American street, you're passing one foreclosure. Wild. Absolutely wild. In the meantime, and this is what I was saying, you're getting into an all-time buyer's market. Because the inventory is off the charts and the home sales price is plummeting. So remember, in 2007, 382000 is the average sales price. In 2010, it's 318000 So you can chop off almost 20% in just three years. The government is panicking. They pass all sorts of acts, they install bureaus, they do all of this stuff. They're trying to make sure that this never happens again. So the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau pops up in 2010. The Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act, same year. The government is trying to do anything to get out of this. So what does this mean? The market was so good for the buyers. And why is that? That's because there were so many homes on the market. People were selling to avoid foreclosure. People were selling because they were panicked. 
There were more homes on because there were foreclosures. There was, and people weren't buying simultaneously because they were afraid of these subprime work. They were afraid of getting foreclosed. And that's really not going to change here. And that's, that's what gets interesting. So we move forward here now basically into what would be, I guess, modern day housing pre-COVID. Because I think that's how we're going to look back on it. It's going to be, you know, the financial crisis period and then sort of the, re, the rebound period. And that will eventually become the period that leads into the COVID period. But 2016, 17, 18... Things are getting right back to normal. So historical home ownership rates among single Americans climbs all the way up to 40% in 2018. In 2017, the market is robust, according to Zillow, uh, that reduces the benefits. So that brings us up to 2019. The market is pretty good, and when Denise comes on here momentarily, she's going to talk to us a little bit more about what that market was like. I wouldn't call it good, and she's she's going to do a great job here, but I wouldn't call it good, I wouldn't call it bad, and I don't think anyone would. It was a pretty average market, no real advantage for the buyers or the sellers. Obviously, that changes with COVID, but we're going to bring in Denise Kemet now and talk to her a little bit about everything that has to do this buyer's and seller's market, sort of how did it become such a seller's market? She's also going to give us some tips about first-time home buyers and all of that jazz, how she works with buyers and sellers, and how great Lamakia Realty is at connecting buyers and sellers in a crazy, crazy COVID market. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome on Denise Kemet from Lamakia Realty. You're listening to This Week I Learned, presented by Ross Mortgage Company. And we're joined here by Denise Kemet of Lamakia Realty out of Lemonster. Denise, how is it going today? Hi, Greg. It's going well. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to have you in studio here. The, the COVID world is sort of dying down and things are getting back to normal, which is exciting. But the first thing I wanted to talk about is, is sort of the difference of being an agent in a buyer's market and a seller's market like we're in today. Obviously, things are pretty crazy out there. I know from my, my own experience, but sort of be interesting to hear, I think, from a realtor side, sort of what it's like being one in a buyer's agent versus right now when obviously it's crazy. Sure. So right now we are faced with one of the hottest sellers markets that any of uh, the real estate agents have ever seen. There is a uh, low inventory right now and high demand. So the market is very um, out of balance right now. That's what's causing what we all are referring to as buyer frenzies. A lot of auction effect going on right now. And there's a psychological component to buyers want what they can't have. Yeah. And they're willing to fight over a house. And uh, that's what's happening. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, th- I think about a lot how different it was. So I bought my first place in, in 2018. And I was a wish list is basically what I gave a, my realtor at the time. I was like, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. And he was like, okay, yeah, we can make that happen. And then looking now... Um, over the last six months or so, it's it's more like, are you willing to accept X, Y, and Z? So it's it's obviously really different out there. But I think it's it's so crazy how fast it shifted, or maybe it wasn't fast, but it really seemed like even I don't I want to say eighteen months ago, it was it was probably closer to a buyer's market. Would you agree with with that? And then when COVID sort of kicked in, it it was just 
the lack of, I guess it would be inventory just shifted and now it's insane. We were faced with a little bit of an inventory shortage going into the spring of last year. Gotcha. So the, the inventory was low. Yeah. And when COVID hit, what happened was a lot of, there was a lot of uncertainty mm-hmm. in the market. So sellers that had their homes listed took their homes off the market. Yeah. And sellers that were going to list decided not to list their homes and everything shifted. Yeah. All of a sudden, people were working from home, so now their needs changed. Yeah, Maybe they were so going true. to downsize and move into a condo, and you know, the children came home from college. Now, all of a sudden, you need that yeah. space no, again. It's such a good, I never would have even thought about that, yeah. like the fact that, yeah, if you were somebody like an empty nester who you were like, oh, I don't need all this space, and next thing you know, you need two offices at home, it, it, it changes the the game pretty quickly. That's that's definitely interesting. You, back when it was a buyer's market, and a buyer would sit down with their real estate agent and they would put together their list of wants and must-haves. Now it really is a matter of, as a buyer, what risks are you willing to take and what sacrifices are you willing to make? Yeah, You have to know what your competition is. If you're in a higher price range, but you're having trouble competing with some of the conventional buyers in your price range, maybe you want to bump down to a lower price range and then have a little bit more strength going in as a buyer. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. That sort of transitions into sort of the seller's market. So now we're in a seller's market. So the two things that interest me the most are one, it must be crazy difficult just to convince somebody to use you to sell. I feel like it's, it's, you see all of these, there's a popular show on Netflix right now. Um, that sort of is, I want to say, competing, basically agents competing for for sellers, uh, stuff like that. So is that something that you're finding, that there's a ton of competition in, amongst agents sort of to for people to use to list their house? There is, there is, because there's a lot more agents out there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> then there are homes, um, sellers that are willing to put their yeah. homes on the market right now. So you definitely have to have an advantage. Yeah. Uh, the more marketing, the better, because you're going to bring in even more buyers, and yeah. the more buyers usually is going to result in more money. Thanks so much to Denise Kemet from Lamakia Realty coming on and joining us. We're going to get right back to that interview in just a few minutes, but we thought we would take a little break here and mix in a little bit of housing data from the last week or so here in the rate so we could get an idea of just how hot that market is that Denise has been talking about. So what did we do here? We went on to realtor.com and they have a data section, which is really, really good. And excuse me if I'm going to butcher some of these numbers here because I'm going to read them right off of the page. But basically they rank, uh, we broke it down into the top, uh, let's see here, seven regions in New England. Uh, So the Boston, Cambridge region, the Warwick Providence region, Hartford region, Worcester region, Bridgeford, Stamford, Norwalk region, New Haven, Milford, Connecticut region, and the Springfield, Mass region. So then Realtor.com does a real, like they do a really good job here. So basically they break down to a bunch of different things. We're going to focus on things that tell us how hot the market is. So the first thing I want to look at, median days on market in terms of number of days as compared to the prior year and this time period. The average for these seven markets in the last, so over the last year, is about 40 days less. 
it's highlighted by Springfield, which is 52 days less, and Hartford is only 32 days less. But over a month, right about a month and a third, less time on the market for the average house. So what does that mean? A house is selling that number of days faster as it would have a year over year. Now, that is a little misleading because we're in the peak of COVID. So you got to do a little different It's a good barometer, but you got to dive a little deeper. So what is the average listing, average number of listings in these markets as compared to last year? So peak COVID, if you will. And then we did a three-year metric moving backwards. And what did we learn? That it was right about 25% less listings than it would have been. Not only, it was about 34% last year and then about 18% for those three years. So you get right around the middle. And what do we learn? That that's really highlighted in these, mm, call them secondary cities here in the region. So Providence, Worcester, Springfield, all are much higher than Boston, which really actually isn't that bad. Obviously, Boston is one of the hottest metros in terms of housing. It has been for about a decade not overly surprising. The other thing that is interesting, the amount of new listings. So this is stuff coming on to the market. You would think compared to last year, this is right about everything's in full-blown shutdown. There is no reason why these numbers shouldn't be exponentially higher. They aren't. The average is just 20% higher. So that means you go back a year, there's only 20% more listings than there were a year ago. And that's how you end up in this extreme seller's market that I was talking about and Denise was talking about. There are so many people who, for a multitude of reasons, want to buy a house right now. 20% does not equal out to the jump in demand. So if the demand percentage was up 20% and the listings percentage was up 20%, not all that big of a deal, but it just isn't. The demand percentage is probably more up to 50 to even, some people would say, 60, 65% higher than it was a year ago. Demand is only up 20, and that's where you get that squeeze that is a seller's mark. Simply almost impossible for a buyer right now to have any success. And so that's what Denise is going to tell us a little bit more about is what is she doing to help her buyers. So again, let's welcome in Denise Kemet of Lamaki Realty here on This Week I Learned, presented by Ross Mortgage. So what do you, when you're representing, let's start with the buyer. So you're representing a buyer in today's market. What are, what are your sort of, I guess, maybe tips, strategies to sort of make sure that they're going in in like a realistic mindset? What are you, what are you telling them? It's really important for the buyers to be educated. Yeah. They have to understand what they're up against in the market. They have to understand uh, just how their financing is going to play a big role in their strength. Buyers really need to know what strength they bring to the table. Their lender is going to help determine that, but so is their real estate agent. So it's really, really important for a buyer to have the relationship with both the real estate agent and the lender, and everyone's communicating together. Yeah. It's really like a three-legged stool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that's crazy. Like I know, again, well, I'm just going to use my experience, but you never, and I, this is just for me personally, but I, the sort of symbiotic nature of like you need to have a good agent, a good lender, but you also need to just be realistic about what you can actually afford. I mean, I think it's crazy how many people like 
I'll, again, I'll use myself as an example, but like I got pre-approved for X and I would, didn't want to spend X, but you have to be, everyone has to be on the same page that, okay, like that's okay. Or, or maybe you want to spend a little more, but that means you have to, you know, whether it be pay off a credit card or do something to sort of get, get to that point. And it might not be overnight, but you definitely have to be realistic. And that's, but, and I can totally agree with what you're saying about the education. That's just, it basically comes down to, you just need that relationship, in my opinion, between agent and buyer. And I mean, I think it's so common in, in sort of the first time home buyer bracket to be like, oh, I'm approved for 500. Let's go spend 500. Or like, let's look at houses that are 500 is probably a better way to phrase it. And then in this market that we're in, obviously almost everything's going for at least a little above asking. And next thing you know, you're priced right out of the market before you've even begun. So just stuff like that, it speaks to what you're saying about the education and sort of, you got to be aware of like, okay, if, if 500 is the firm cap of what you can actually spend, maybe we shouldn't be looking at something that's 499.9 uh, as a starting point. When we come back, we'll rejoin our conversation with Denise Kemet of LaMachia Realty and recap this week's episode and get you ready for next week. You're listening to This Week I Learned, presented by Ross Mortgage.